listening to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, where women who are ready to expand their life adventure discover the tools to stop playing small and tap into the courage required to enjoy their Second Wind. Welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon. Wow, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. You thought I wasn't, didn't you? No, I'm here. (laughs) I was thinking, I have a window that is outside my desk, outside of the room of where my desk sits. And it's been a wonderful move for me because I'm looking at a tree that is going through a lot of shock right now. As you remember, last week, Texas was in a... (laughs) A very unusual place. A lot of snow, which we never have snow. Very, very, very cold weather. And the whole state was suffering. I'd like to I'd like to kind of have an analogy with this with life. So we knew the storm was coming, but we didn't know the magnitude of the storm. We just knew it was possible snow, but not how deep going to be cold, but we didn't know what that meant to our environment. Well, as we lived through it, and some parts of Texas really had difficult times, the cities suffered a lot. I'm in a small town 90 miles from Dallas, so we did, there were people who did suffer in Tyler, Texas, And that means with burst pipes, with frozen water, we went on a um, filtered water or bottled water situation. Some people, we had rolling heat. We had no heat. Uh, So there was a lot. But for me, myself, I'm going to say I went through no communication because the Internet went out, of course, for three days. But I didn't suffer in any other way other than just total isolation, no phone, no internet, and heaven forbid, no TV for three or four days. But as I see, I'm looking out and I'm seeing this, the results of that storm that totally tossed our lives into total chaos, total chaos and pain. We suffered through it. Now, we prepared, those that were wise did prepare, like going to the grocery store, but we didn't prepare for additional bottled water or extra wood, maybe, um, for our fireplaces. So I'm looking at what I see now, and I see land greenery that's now brownery. It's very affected by the storm. and. You know, there's going to be major transition here. Um, The birds, we've all seen just droves of birds coming through. Leaves, much more leaves falling down on the ground. Dead plants. And it's sort of like what we go through when we have other losses as well. But I'm always, always, always comforted by the thought that there is a spring in everyone's transition. And the spring means new life. It means new promises. It means more love, more joy. And it means change. And so 
I wanted to share this with you because I think it's what we're going through now, right now in Tyler, Texas, and in many other places in Texas in the United States. Rebirth. We, we've grieved the loss. We'll continue to grieve the favorite things that we lost, but it is a rebirth, a time of rebirth. This program today is about the journey of Jenny Lisk and her journey through the loss of her husband, how that affected her as a mother of two, how that affected her. Now, Jenny has bloomed after her loss as an author, a speaker, and the host of a podcast, which she has named Widowed Parent Podcast, which has been featured at the Washington Post and the Parent Map. Now, part of her grieving process or wherever in her grieving process, when Jenny began to look at her days going forward, she created a hundred dreams list, which is a way of, of visualizing your future, asking for what you want in your future. And so on this list, I love this. She wanted to ride a camel milk a cow, and raise 44000 for brain cancer research in the honor of her husband's 44 years. She also became an author, as I said, and she wrote The Future Widow, Losing My Husband, Saving My Family, and Finding My Voice. She did find her voice, and she is today living not only her dream list, but she's created an awesome book, which is an awesome support for other widows that have, are traveling through the same journey that Jenny has already traveled through. Now, Jenny lives in Redmond, Washington, with her two teenagers, one a son, 16, and her daughter is 14. And guess what? She is passionate about helping widowed parents increase their family's well-being. I am very pleased to have Jenny joining us today to share with us how her transition has changed her life. So welcome, Jenny. Oh, thank you so much, Joyce. It's it's uh, it's great to talk to you. I've been really looking forward to this. Oh, good. Well, we're going to have an hour full of great conversation here. But when you when you first started on this change in your life, which was like a major out a, a major storm in your life, it doesn't just you don't always get the warning signs. So how was your transition, how was your life changed, and when did that start happening in your life? Well, yeah, you know, you're right. Um, in terms of no warning signs, it really came out of the blue. It was rather strange. Um, one day my husband said, you know, I'm feeling a little dizzy. Mm -hmm. And it was 
totally out of the blue and you know dizzy okay that seems like a fairly minor I mean you could be a little dizzy right. because you're dehydrated or right I don't know working yourself to death or you know whatever like just yeah there's stuff right you know you know yeah. your mind doesn't go right to terminal brain cancer no uh, and <laughs> no. so yeah and it was the weirdest thing and so you know we had a conversation about seeing his doctor the following Monday it was a you know it was a weekend and didn't seem like an ER type situation right I mean, what would we do right. go in there and say he's dizzy okay well whatever yeah. anyway um he started just having these subtle signs of confusion but only occasionally mm. <clears throat> and um in fact when he said he was dizzy then you know we talked about it i went out to get some food for dinner came back and i said how are you doing how are you feeling and and he looked at me and he said oh i'm okay but you know, I've been feeling a little dizzy lately. And I looked at him and I said, gosh, you know, you, you just told me that. We just talked about that 20 minutes ago. And he said, oh. he did. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. where I was like, okay, wait, is, is he pulling my leg here? I don't think so. That doesn't seem like, you know, but right. it was just really strange. And, but then he was totally normal, you know, cognitively fine. But then these mm -hmm. little things would pop up and it was about 10 days of that, um, before I said, okay, this is just because I was second guessing myself, right? Am I imagining? Am I reading too much into the situation? Yes. Um, and then about 10 days later, I stepped in and I said, I'm just calling his doctor and I'm going to report what I'm seeing and, you know, tell them we need to get him in sooner. And, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> and so I did that. We went in, the doctor says, let's get an MRI of your brain. And this was just regular, you know, general internal medicine, you know, mm -hmm. primary care. Mm-hmm. And uh, they get the MRI and they say, you know, well, why don't you go back and talk to the doctor now? He wants to talk to you now. So I'm thinking, well, this isn't good because this isn't usually, usually they call you two days I, later, right? I know. We hate those conversations. Yeah, right. So yeah. they said, go back upstairs. And it's already, you know, after five o'clock. And it's like, all right, if the doctor wants to see us now, this is probably yeah. a big deal. Right. He says, there's probably, you know, I don't want to scare you. It looks like there's something really wrong with your brain. You need to go see the neurosurgeon tomorrow. Mm. And the neurosurgeon the next day says, um, yeah, we're doing surgery the next day. Oh, <laughs> no. I mean, yeah. had he not told you why? Well, so the primary care doctor actually, when he said, I don't want to scare you, he said, um, it might be glioblastoma. And I'm thinking, what's glioblastoma, right? Yes, Never heard right. of that. Yes. Go home and, and search it up. And it turns out it's a very aggressive, deadly form of brain cancer. And actually, some of your listeners may have heard about it because more recently, John McCain and Bo Biden both died of that same brain cancer. <gasps> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but at the time, I hadn't heard of it. And actually, the interesting thing is, um, the timing of it, Bo Biden actually died just a few weeks, like right around that same time my husband was having his surgeries. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he died of, of brain cancer. And they didn't initially say what type it was, but it, you know, I was following that story pretty closely. Right. Um, because it was pretty clear it was a similar situation. Right. Yeah. So what are the if I could get basic here a little bit more then what are the fears that you were going through one when you all was sitting there and all this this drama was building around his health uh you know I can I can I can imagine what I might feel but can you put 
names to it? Well, first, it was all the uncertainty of just what is going on here. This is just mm -hmm. too strange. And I actually had recently, at that time, had read an article about somebody who got early onset Alzheimer's. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. And and my first thought went there, like, whoa, this seems a little bit Alzheimer-type cognitive issues. Like, I wonder, like, wouldn't this be terrible, right? Mm -hmm. If we, if that was on my mind from this article I'd read. Um, and then... Because it, it, it initially it was just a brain tumor, right? Yes. And there's a lot of types of brain tumors. Uh -huh. And some of them you can remove surgically or you can deal with the radiation or chemo or other you know, treatments. Mm. And some of them you really can't. And so at first it was just this big question mark, like the uncertainty, you know, the fear of the uncertainty of what are mm. we exactly dealing with here. Right. Um, and then it came back, you know, they did the biopsy actually, you know, they did the, the first surgery, their mm -hmm. objective was to cut out as much as they could and then also get a biopsy. And as it turns out, this type of brain cancer is not like a discrete tumor that you can cut around and take out. Like you might hope, mm. you know, something, Yeah, it's more like woven throughout the fabric of the brain. So you can't really just kind of surgically remove it a lot of the times. Yes. It depends. Yeah. But <clears throat> anyway, the surgeon said, well, you know, we got enough for a biopsy, but mm -hmm. that was all we got. We couldn't really remove it. Mm. Uh, so that was, you know, not a good sign. And right. um, anyway, so then when the biopsy came back, they said it is glioblastoma, um, which is it's a grade four cancer and it's very aggressively growing. And apparently this mm -hmm. type of tumor can spring up from like from virtually nothing too big and impactful in a matter of, of weeks. Really? Which, yeah, which explains why he was perfectly fine, normal, going to work, taking the uh -huh. kids to school, doing normal uh -huh. life, right? And then all of a sudden he was like, I'm a little dizzy. And then all of a sudden he was confused. And that's because the tumor was growing so rapidly. And so. do they, did they give you any other than this just appears? Was there any cause? I mean, you know, I'm immediately going to, oh, we're too much electronics. We're too much, you know, the phone <laughs> system. I mean, I want to find a reason. Did yeah. Was that even discussed, well, I'm sure? That's, well, see, that's the problem is they don't really know. Uh -huh. um, but one of the things actually, since this, this was five years ago, so since that time, um, we've been involved in trying to support their research and stuff. Yes. Um, and one of the things they've found is it looks like there's a virus cause of glioblastoma tumors. And wow. yeah, and it's not exactly clear if it's a virus, like something you might catch today and get brain cancer tomorrow, or if it's more like something maybe you had many years ago and it just is kind of in your system and then eventually it becomes brain cancer. Like I'm not really clear on the, the right. details and I'm not sure, you know, all the ins and outs, but it's by having found a viral cause, it opens up possibilities then for vaccines um, right. to, you know, and uh, other treatment options. So there's a lot of really exciting research going on. But one of the big problems with glioblastoma is for years and years and years and years and years, there haven't really been very many advances. You know, five years mm -hmm. ago when my husband got it and died, mm -hmm. it was pretty much the same outlook of somebody who had gotten it, you know, five or 10 years before that and five or 10 years before that. Yeah. So finally they are, they seem to be, you know, on the verge of some breakthroughs, which is really exciting because it's really a terrible 
um, disease, you know? Yes, yes. Well, I just, I mean, so from the time he was diagnosed to the time that he died, you had how many months? It was about eight months. And the first part of that was very much like hospital, surgery, complications, you know, all the kind of medical, intensive medical. I think there was Mm -hmm. one week when we went to the ER, like four or five times in the same week, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and he was having, when they had the first surgery and, and, um, and they, you know, of course they opened up his brain and so then they had to sew it back up, but it didn't heal properly and it got infected. And so, you know, and then he had like cerebral spinal fluid leaking out of his head and like all these complications. Yes. And so there was a bunch of that. And then there was, there was a short period of time when he was at a skilled nursing facility and then for the last maybe half the time he was home um, and, you know, the last several months of that being on home with hospice at home. And then he died at home uh, in January of 2016. So just just over five years ago. Right. And and I'm assuming that the the disease didn't stop. It continued uh, uh, taking from his memory and his use of his brain. I'm, exu- I'm assuming. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it continued. was. It did. And, you know, from the first, from the very first surgery, there was a marked change with that where he was more ah. confused mm-hmm. and less capable, you know, in terms of like adult ability to, you know, live yeah. adult, adult daily tasks, you know, like, like right. going places or feeding yourself or whatever. Um, and, but then it, for the, for uh, quite a while, he had, good long-term memory um mm-hmm. his short-term oh. memory was confused yeah um so he would remember you know people or events from childhood or from earlier years um mm-hmm. but then he would you know like he would go into a doctor's appointment and the and I'd be with him of course and the doctor mm-hmm. would say you know how are things what you know give me an update and he would say oh well I you know I I just joined a lacrosse team or something oh bless and, his yeah, and uh-huh. I'm in the background, and you know, he never ever played lacrosse. It wasn't, I don't know where he oh, came really? up with that one. Yeah, oh. no, right. And so I'm in the background waving my hand, saying, "Okay, ask him whatever you want, but then you need to like turn to me uh-huh. for the real update." You know, <laughs> like he didn't, he didn't just play lacrosse. Like that's, you know, not a thing. You know, he's been home watching TV. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, so you know, and then eventually he just, he got more and more confused. Yeah. Um, you know, as it, as it progressed. And, you know, we did the standard course of treatment, which at the time was a chemo and a, a radiation, a course of radiation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, with the objective of keeping things at bay for a while, mm-hmm. um, but almost never does that actually eradicate it and, you know, yeah. to, you know, make someone healed and on, able to go on for a long life. You know, it's, Usually the thing with this glioblastoma is like if they do radiation and they get almost all of it, but, you know, like one or two cells they don't get, that those Mm -hmm. cells grow so fast that it just pops right back up into another full-blown brain tumor really quickly. Yeah. So what was the challenges for you having your husband back in the home, your kids there? I, I, I could just see you in the middle of how do I... Um, 
support my husband and me. <laughs> of course, we always put ourselves last, don't we? <laughs> but how do we support your husband? And yet, how do I help my children make this transition? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I I kind of instantly, in effect, became a single parent. Obviously, yeah. it wasn't he was still alive, but he wasn't, um, you know, doing any parenting, quote unquote. Right. He wasn't participating in raising the kids. He would hang out with them and watch TV with them or more like right. they would watch TV with him as a way to, you know, spend some time because that was about all that he could really do was sit and watch, you know, TV. Yeah. Um. And I've lost sight of what your question was. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, how did I take care of everybody? Yeah. Well, okay. So he, I had another, you know, I had, I was his full-time caregiver. Right. Um, and, you know, in the first part of it, when he was in the hospital, I, if I, if I was not at the hospital, I could have a little bit of a break, but, mm -hmm. you know, I was still the one trying to figure out all the phone calls and all the, you know, ask the right yeah. questions and get the right things lined up and, you know, and all that stuff. But then for the time that he was home, yeah, I mean, I had, I had to, I was taking care of him, which, you know, involved all the food, all the medicine, mm -hmm. lots mm -hmm. of medicine every single oh day. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine your schedule. <laughs> well, yeah, and every day I'd wake up, you know, based on what time we woke up and like make the schedule for the day, right? Because he had so many medicines ending with every night I had to give him a shot in the, in the stomach, uh. um, which was a blood thinner. So, you know, all these skills that i didn't have right. that I had to learn. At one point, I had to learn how to. He had a, a home IV mm -hmm. um, system, and you know he had been in the hospital with it. And then they determined they could send him home with like this pump thing that it was plugged in. And then, but then every day or twice a day or once a day, uh, yeah, right, change all the stuff. And then you know, and then of course, like the the refrigerated bags of medicine were being delivered to the doorstep. And then I had to get that in the yeah. fridge and you know do it at the right times and set the alarm to do it twice a day and all these you know all these yeah. things that I never expected to have to to do but you know you just you you learn and you do and you just this needs to be done that needs to be done the next thing needs to be done so you just yep. you just do it and I also had a, a lot of help with the logistics of things including of course meals mm -hmm. um, in terms of dinners uh, we had a you know some friends set up a meal train Wonderful. Which, yeah, yeah, and you know what? Wonderful. It was going for like ten months. Like wow. Yeah, it was You've terrific. Got some friends there. <laughs> I know it was great. It, and the same people also did all kinds of other logistical support. So whether it was carpooling the kids to school, making sure that if they were going to a birthday party, that someone you know acquired a gift for them to show up at the party with, you know, so I didn't have to figure that oh, out too. Cool. You know add that to my plate and so lots of logistical support yeah. um of course even with all that support ultimately I was responsible for you know making sure all everything was happening right, right. so like right. I, ha I had to I had the weight of the decision making and the weight of the you know, so like I didn't Which, have to actually take the kids to soccer but I had to make sure someone was available to take the kids to soccer for example. Which is Big, if you have always had a partner in this relationship with you and your partner, but also in parenting, then mm -hmm. you know this is big because mm -hmm. now 
where you haven't really grown that muscle that says, I can answer this. I can do this. I can, I can, I can. Mm -hmm. It's big. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just stress that because so many of us, if we're out there and we're a couple, we don't realize that transition is huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And add to that a, you know, a crisis situation where now I wasn't, I I wasn't all of a sudden a single parent in a normal quote unquote kind of time. Right. Right. I was in a situation where, you know, my husband was incredibly sick and had a lot of, you know, needs for care and, and, you know, and, and managing crises that popped up infections and whatever problems. Right. As well as then, you know, an emotionally difficult situation where we had, you know, three of us who were going to have to continue after he died. I mean, it was, there was never, you know, a chance that he was going to survive this, right? Yeah. So it was a question of kind of how things would go and trying to make him comfortable and spend time with him and trying to, you know just be with him as long as possible. But then we were going to have to transition the three of us to continue at some point after he died. Good point. Most of us, when we have a face by disease like that, at least know we have a, we have a hope or of our, our loved one is going to be well after it on his path to wellness. Mm. You were not going, you did not even go close to that dream you knew from the very beginning it was a uh, brief time with him correct yeah and but the but you know it was unknown how long it would be right right? so early on I asked when the doctor first said this is glioblastoma yes it's cancer you know um, I said well what kind of what are we looking at here time wise Right. And she asked him if he wanted to know, and he said no. Yeah. So she pulled me into the other room, and she said, well, I can't tell you what it's going to be in his case, but the average life expectancy is 13 months. Yeah. Right. So then you're like, okay, well, we could be average. We could be a lot longer, a lot shorter. I mean, who yeah. knows, right? And that And that uncertainty is really hard to deal with as well, particularly when every single day is like, a week's worth of, you know, activity and crisis and stuff to deal with. And, you know, yes. Uh, yes. So, yeah. yeah. And I kind of, because he was, had so many complications and was so confused, I just kind of had a gut feeling that be he wasn't shorter. going to make it to that average 13 months, but I had no idea. Right. Right. I mean, it was just well, kind of the sense I had of it. Yeah. This is the place where it's a good time. We're going to a break, but it's also, it, it, it is a time where we've realized the, the the situation you were under. And so when we come back from this break, we're going to be focusing on how this sad, sad situation was handled by Jenny and how she has grown through this process. So anyway, we will be back shortly. And I think you're going to be really pleased to hear how she has become such a powerful woman. So we'll be back shortly to talk more with Jenny and her transition. 
Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. It's words you never heard. We have a book titled The Art of Doing Nothing by Veronica Vienne in our guest room by the bed. I'm telling you, this book is an impossible challenge. In the state of Maine, it's said that someone who bottoms chairs for a living is lazy, presumably because one's bottom is perpetually in the chair. To sozzle means to laze around or perform a task in a sloppy way. The word is mainly found in New England. A quote from 1848 describes the term as used by housekeepers in certain parts of Connecticut to refer to a lazy person. Other words for lazy people are abbey lovers, scabberlatchers, and slaughter pooches. To me, the ultimate love lolly is someone who is too lazy to even fake like they're working. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to this segment of Second Win. Joyce Buford. The author of Effortless Happiness continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Okay, now we're back from our uh, brief intermission there. And Jenny, is. Uh, how, can you tell us, I know after your husband died, that there is always this period of grief. I mean, I know you were probably grieving because of your situation during the, his last few days, and you're also your family, of course, the children. But when the final day came, and you officially entered into what most people call the grieving period, um, how did you begin begin that, that uh, period? Yeah, well, you know, and you make a good point about in what's called anticipatory grief, which mm-hmm. is another one of these things. I didn't never heard of that until I got into, you know, into yes. this. But it turns out, you know, because I knew that it was coming, mm-hmm. I was able to start processing in little bits or ahead of time, you know. And I remember talking with one of my friends while well, he was still alive, you know, and a friend comes over late at night, we're chatting, and I'm like, this isn't what I signed up for, right? And, like... <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and my future is supposed to include him. Right. And so starting those conversations early, you know, and, and as I was would take breaks and running around with chaos, then I would walk around and think myself and start processing. Right. So when he died, well, first of all, you know, in the immediate term, there was still logistical stuff to handle. Right? There's the funeral. Yeah. And all of those logistical things. So it wasn't like immediately 
switching to, you know, there's that limbo period, right? Where there was mm-hmm. still a lot of things to handle. Right. Um, and so there was that. And then it was like, okay, well, um, the future is now stretching out in front of us. So what does this look like? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. one of the things that I, especially early on, I kept having all these flashbacks and I would play scenes through my mind. And actually, you know, that whole first year, I kept every, you know, I, very, very often I would think this time last year, this was ah. happening. You know, this time last year, we were ha- he was having surgery and I was running around doing X, Y, and Z. This time last year, we were in the hospital, you know, emergency room every uh-huh. other day with infections. And, you know, and that went on for the whole until the first anniversary. And then somehow, really? yeah, it's quite interesting. And actually leading up to the first, so it was January of 2016. So from the November, from Thanksgiving before he died, uh, before the first anniversary, mm-hmm. from, from Thanksgiving through January 8th, which is the day he died of the first mm-hmm. anniversary, I had a, a headache, an actual like literal headache every single day mm. the, from Thanksgiving through Christmas, through the death anniversary. Mm-hmm. And then it, and then it lifted some reason. Mm-hmm. And also what lifted for some, for me, the, the power of like this time last year, I was doing X somehow the, like this time, two years ago, I was doing X didn't hold the same sway over me. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but like those flashbacks kind of subsided after that. But it was interesting because I, you know, sometimes flashbacks were were very detailed, like playing through the scenes in my head of the of the funeral and of me making remarks and of my daughter making remarks and, you know, looking out, you know, imagining the audience and who was sitting where, and, and I thought this is just and it was very distracting, right? Like I was mm-hmm. I was trying to work and I, you know, his urn would be ten feet away and I'd look over there and then I'd be into all these flashbacks. But what I didn't have was these, you often hear people talk about the waves of, of grief, like waves of emotion, um, Mm -hmm. you know, coming over you and then the waves subsiding. And I thought, well, that's weird. Like, is something wrong with me? Because people are supposed to have waves and everybody talks about waves. And I'm like, I don't have waves, but I have flashbacks. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So we would say grieving is very individual, right? (laughs) Yes, but and, and yes, and here's the interesting thing I learned. I was talking to the uh, we had a, a, a kids grief counselor through through our hospice had sent somebody out to the house to work with the kids, and so I'd gotten to know her. And she wasn't working with me; she was working with them. But you know, in the course of chatting with her, I mentioned this, and she said, "I think you might be an instrumental griever." And oh. I said, "Yeah," and I'm like instrumental griever I never heard of that like I didn't know there are different types of grievers right isn't there just grief right so of course I went to Amazon and I typed that in and I'm like there must be a book about instrumental grievers I need to find out if this is you know so I typed it in and I I found this book and it was fascinating and it's called grieving beyond gender and the net of it is that there are grief style it's it's a it's a continuum right but they're kind of two predominant types instrumental grievers and intuitive grievers and they tend to align with gender but not always so females Uh. are more likely to be intuitive grievers the ones who have the waves of grief and process it more emotion-based and males tend to be instrumental grievers and have more flashbacks and process grief more cognitively 
Interesting. Yes, but... And, but that's a tendency and it's a strong tendency. And if you map all the people on the continuum, you know, you've got that, but there are definitely people all along the spectrum, including males who fall on the intuitive griever end and females who mm-hmm. fall on the instrumental of griever course. end and people at all shades, you know, you could be some of one and some of the other, whatever, right? right. Spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other interesting thing is that grief groups tend to be organized based on the predominant style of the gender if it's a if it's a you know some some grief groups are mixed gender right but uh-huh. some are women's grief groups and some are men's grief groups men's grief groups tend to like do stuff together mm-hmm. like they get the guys together and they go hiking or they do something and then they can right. kind of bond around an activity women's grief groups tend to involve sitting in a circle and talking right Oh, yes, and, of course. Right. And, and these things are all very helpful. Uh-huh. And it, but, but what's the most helpful is if you can match up something with, with, you know, your style, if you kind of end up with a fish out of water mm-hmm. in the wrong type of group for, for however you tend to process grief, it can, you know, not be as, as helpful. Mm-hmm. And I finally figured out my friend kept inviting me, did I want to go to the grief group? You know, every month she'd say it was, it was a you know first Monday or something. Do you want to go next week? I'm like, nah, I don't think so. And then the next month, uh-huh. do you want to go? No, I don't think so. And finally, I figured out, like, why it didn't right. sound appealing to me. But anyway, this book was fascinating, and I would encourage anybody. It's called Grieving Beyond Gender. Um, in fact, I'm I would like to at some point be able to interview the author of that on my podcast yes. because I think it's a topic that people really would be useful to to hear about these different grieving yes. styles and hear more from him about that. Yeah, I, you know, we through the church here have a grieving um, circle and I've talked to so many because, you know, I've done some research with the widows and grieving and I have done this research and many of them, some attended, some didn't. And um, when I'd asked them why they just didn't um, like it. And Mm. so I thought, well, you know, it could be, I, as you were talking, I was, I was thinking, well, maybe they were the wrong kind of griever. Not, not that one is better than the other one, but it was a different, it was taught by a different kind of griever. Mm, maybe a mismatch to the group. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally. Yeah. 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 And I've, you know, I've found it more helpful to me to, I actually surprisingly have a group of widowed friends who mm-hmm. are, similar age group to me with kids similar age group to my kids yes Yes. and Uh and the strange thing is they're all people that I actually know in real life in my neighborhood in my kids school community Mm -hmm. um a surprisingly high number of widowed parents and you know widowed women with kids in grade school and high school that I just happen to know and so right having that group has been you know it's kind of a social group Mm -hmm. but we're all kind of get where each other is coming from and yes. so, you know, we can be talking about something funny and then throw in and then, you know, about something about death or whatever. And it's not weird. Yes. Um, you know, and everybody right. kind of gets and everybody has a different loss and a different amount of time since their loss. But yes. everybody kind of has the same baseline. Like we get it. You know? Yes. So the death can is are they all widows of or loss of a, a, a mate, a child, a parent, a uh, Something this, like that versus a job of, or. Oh, yeah. No, this group of friends all lost their husbands. The husbands. Um, okay. And the most recent one was maybe 
two years ago and the longest ago one was maybe a dozen years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they all have kids. Um, the kids have all, you know, grown over the years. Right. I think now yeah. the youngest are in middle school and, and then high school. And then a few of the kids are into college now. Well, I know kind of turning the subject here just a little bit because you, you have just awesomely opened yourself up to to growth and you are committed to helping other women that have lost their mates and had children that they were really wanting to help move through this tragic situation. So what came first, writing the book or or your podcast? Because you have an awesome podcast. So which one came first? And that's the one I want you to talk about first. Sure. Yeah. The podcast was first for sure. And I started that. It was about two, it's approaching two and a half years ago now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because of my, you know, instrumental griever side, maybe I was like, you know, I need to do something here. And, and I was finding resources for my own grief excellent therapist. I had books. I went to Camp mm-hmm. Widow, which, by the way, is a great resource for your listeners. Oh, Might be Camp, Camp Widow. Widow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's run by an organization called Soaring Spirits. Uh, and but I wasn't finding like, how do I do the widowed parenting thing? Yes. Right? I could see that for myself, I would be able mm-hmm. to get there. But I'm like, what? how do I help these kids you know this is obviously going to be a huge impact on their life story and their and their life but how does this not destroy them how do they right Right. how and so I thought you know I can't be the only one the only widowed parent struggling with this and I went to Amazon right typed in looking for the widowed parent book and I'm like oh (laughs) not finding it right so so I was like you know I think that I could go interview people experts Uh and others, and share those interviews in a podcast. And I think it's because, you know, I knew a bunch of people who had podcasts on other subjects, complete other topics, right? But I Mm -hmm. was listening to a lot of podcasts and thinking, you know, this is a really nice um, medium for transmitting this kind of discussion and information. Yeah. And, you know, all these widow parents, they're not they're not going to realistically go out and interview all these experts and authors and stuff, but I could interview them. And I could share that out. And so I yeah. built up the podcast with, and it's a mixture of people who are experts who run grief camps and write books on related topics and run, you know, experts in children's grief. And mm-hmm. also people who are experienced widowed parents who are reflecting on their journeys and sharing their stories and struggles and challenges and successes and things. And people who lost a parent when they were young and now they're grown up and reflecting on their experience growing up you know, with one of their parents having died. And I think when I, you know, put together kind of that, that package of these different types of guests, um, my, my goal has been to provide a resource that other widowed parents, people who are still raising their children and their teenagers mm-hmm. can, can get some resources, some inspiration, feel less alone, um, you know, kind of a mix of practical information and, um, well, inspirational or, or reflective, um, you know, thoughts. And so that's, right. that's what I did first. And I'm, I'm actually approaching the hundredth episode here. Uh, awesome. very soon, so. 
Yeah, it's been terrific to uh, to do that. And it's always so great when listeners write to me and, you know, either tell me, oh, this interview was so helpful and here's why. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I just found your podcast and my husband died three months ago or three years ago. And, you know, here's why it's been so helpful to me. Um, it's it's really nice to hear that. And, you know, I think validates that it is it's needed. People are struggling. Right. Definitely. You know, now, can I, they ask you questions on your, do you ever throw it open to questions or, or is there most of the communication from responses or do they go to your website? And Well, so I actually hear from listeners a lot by email and I send ah. out a weekly email, um, you know, with about the new episodes and also sharing other resources that I think might be interesting or useful mm-hmm. to them, either on the topic of grief or on the topic of parenting or on the intersection of those two. Right. Um, and I am always encouraging people to write back either, you know, just to share their story or to, to say, hey, you know, I'm, I have a question about X, you haven't covered that topic yet. Right. And and then I'll try to go out and, you know, find somebody who would um, be a good person to interview on that topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and one of the other things I, I wanted to point out is that I I have made a point of including men as well. It's the widowed parent yes. podcast um, right. for a reason, because there aren't actually a lot of resources for widowed dads mm-hmm. um, and they seem to have you know more trouble um, you know finding other widowed dads to 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 hang out with and to, you know, it's, it's an underserved, um, group. And a lot of these topics are really relevant. If somebody is a widowed mom or a widowed dad, they're now mm-hmm. a single parent raising their kids and they need a lot of the same, um, you know, information yeah, and resources. Probably even more imperative for them because they may be treading in a different path, totally not having interacted a lot with their children, maybe while their wife was alive. Sometimes, yeah. It, well, it really depends, you know. Um, yeah, it's it, the cha- there can be different sets of challenges, right? And so right. some episodes are specifically for dads, but and most of them then are broadly applicable. But I also make a point of trying to interview widowed dads themselves to hear yeah. about what they've done and how they've connected with their kids and how they've taken on the role of being the solo parent. Right. Um, you know, and what they find hard and what they have not found as hard and how they're putting it all together. Right. So how did, um, so where do listeners go, Jenny, to, uh, find your podcast? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, it's on and the name the of it is it's, it's the widowed parent podcast. And so you can go to widowedparentpodcast.com for my website. Um, and of course there I've got all of the episodes, including, I've got a, a page a, a, right at the top, it says start here. And so, you know, I kind of break them up by category, you know, if somebody uh-huh. isn't quite sure where uh-huh. to dive in, but of course it's on all the, you know, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, any, all the, any your favorite yes. podcast app, you can find it on all those places. And, uh, and I also have them on YouTube as well. So if you prefer listening on YouTube, um, that's another option too. Good. Awesome. Now, you say they come, can they, if they want your written material, can they get that by going to your website? Or yeah. to your, e, well, uh, yeah, your website. Yes. So I've got, on my website, there's a ton of resources. Um, first, I'll mention, though, there is one um, 
download, you know, a free download I've set up. And if you go to jennylisk.com slash top 10, so right. J-E-N-N-Y-L-I-S-K dot com slash top 10, um, I put together, because once I got a bunch of episodes in, I was like, you know, I feel like I need to pull out the kind of some of the main lessons that my guests have shared, you know, kind of pull yes. out highlights, right? So I yes. put together that as a resource, and that's a free download that people um, might be interested in. And then on my website in general, I've got articles that I've written. Um, I've got all the podcast episodes, information about the book, um, other resources. I've actually started interviewing kids and family grief centers in different cities across the country and oh. doing like, yeah. So I'm trying, I'm building out a resource by location so people can look and say, oh, I am in um, Atlanta Mm-hmm. And you can look under Georgia and say, oh, Kate's Club is in Atlanta. And then <laughs> hop over there and have like a, there's like a 10 minute discussion with the person who runs the program, just as kind of an intro, like, here's what our program is, yeah. here's who it's for. And then the idea is for people to watch that and then say, oh, I think I should call them. They sound like a great resource. And so yeah. um, I've done several dozen of those interviews in all different cities across the country. And I'm adding more all the time. Um, That's so I've a got great idea. resources there as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, people are looking for resources and, and it's hard to find stuff, right? Yeah. What about so, the, the places in the, would they go to, I don't know if they're on vacation, would they go to a grief place? No. Uh, no, you know, the grief, the grief programs are more like more ongoing, like everyday like, life. No. Like yeah. monthly or twice a month. It's usually like an ongoing uh, group program. Right. All right. Yeah. So in the, we've got, we're, lim- we're limited in our time here because unfortunately, my dear listeners, we're coming to the end of the, the hour. But another awesome thing that um, Jenny did was to write a book. So tell us about your book, because I think there are lots of wisdom in that book. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's called Future Widow, Losing My Husband, Saving My Family, and Finding My Voice. And it just came out in January, actually. So it's Yay! been very exciting. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a memoir. And, and it's set during the time, the eight months that my husband was sick. And mm-hmm. I actually used the Caring Bridge journals, the online you know blogs that I had done at the time, as the, the basis for the book. But then I've gone in and added... Um, additional like reflections and more information now sharing a bunch of things including you know kind of more about what was going on or what I was I wasn't ready to share at the time that I could fill in now and also reflections on like what I wish I had known about um parenting through this time you know of of terminal illness and and yeah and like what I wish I had known and done differently to better prepare the kids for what the future was going to be yeah um and then it ends with um after he dies then the third part of the book is the the finding my voice part of the subtitle um how I then you know kind of put the pieces back together and (laughs) shifted gears and went on to start the podcast and get into this um, mission of helping, you know, helping others in the situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, as you look back, what do you, what do you like about the new Jenny that you are today? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that I am, am working on something that I'm passionate about. And, Mm -hmm. and the fact that I 
had the guts to make that choice to work on something that I'm passionate about, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I consciously made a choice to say, you know what? My husband died mm -hmm. and, and I am still alive. So mm -hmm. I don't have a magic wand. I cannot change the fact that he died. That is now a fact. Mm -hmm. And so what am I going to to do now i've got you know well i'm gonna say 50 years in front of me it's probably not that many <laughs> you go girl you go. <laughs> that would put me close to 100 but we'll just we're just gonna shoot for that right it's possible. Um, yeah so i've got years and decades in front of me right and yeah. i'm like you know i i i could kind of half-heartedly go through those years and decades mm -hmm. and that you know I kind of like to think, well, no, my husband got kind of half of a life. He died at 44. So is that half? I don't know. Seems like half, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I kind of live half-heartedly for the next bunch of decades, that kind of seems doubly tragic to me, mm -hmm. you know? And so I was like, I, I'm, you know, it's already tragic that he died and the kids lost one parent. I'm not going to like compound the tragedy here by by having my life now just be destroyed as well as his life. Yeah. You know, and I don't mean destroyed destroyed like dying or something. I just mean like not really living. Mhm. Mm yeah. It seems there it, whether it's I think it's always inside of us this this desire to become who we are in the next life, which I call the second wind. But there is a, when life does change so much, it's that inner power that's in us, that that one we thought we'd never call on maybe, mm. but it is there and it's ready to come out and to grow. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're actually giving to others, it is such a powerful tool. The other people that I would like to talk about is how your children feel about their mother today. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's been fun to to share with them what I'm working on, right? And I mm -hmm. and I like to feel like I'm I'm setting an example for them where if you have an idea, something you're passionate about, some, you know, like in this case, an idea for how I can help serve widowed parents through the podcast, mm -hmm. through the book, through related things. If you have an idea, you you, you can you can run with it and you can um you know, try it and see what happens. The worst thing that can happen is the podcast doesn't go anywhere and I do something else, right? And so I've kind of tried to, you know, be conscious about about setting that kind of of example. And Why? it's kind of, it's a multi-levels, right? It's the big picture, like, you know, that you don't need permission to do something like this. You just need to, to set about doing it. Right. And then it's even yeah. down to the smaller details of like, Hey, I can do this with YouTube and I can do this yeah. with social media. And actually my son's been doing some stuff um, online with some music he's making. And I, even some of the tools that I use for my podcast, I've been sharing with him and you know, teaching him some of those things. Awesome. And yeah. so, yeah, so I, I think it's, they've, then yeah. they've really, I think enjoyed seeing um, that whole process. So perhaps one of the greatest gifts you've given to your children is the the world of possibilities mm. when they're confronted with really, really life changing. There's always another side. There's always a new chapter. 
there's always growth. And yeah, even they have stepped in to uh, situations they may never have tried for many years. So mm-hmm. what an awesome tool you've given them. Awesome life. I'm I'm pro, I'm strong on awesome today. I don't know why I keep using that, but <laughs> it's such a great word. I think. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. It's an ultimate for me. Um, mm. It's really a gift. So we are close to the end of our lot our hour, Jenny, and it has been such a pleasure. I know you've helped so many of my listeners out there that might be transitioning with this very thing, loss of a loved one. So thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you so much. It's been so great talking with you. Thank you. So we are going into a new week. Rebirth is happening all around us. I'm sure in your place, as well as in my place, Jenny has offered us great great information. So please go to our website, listen to our podcast, Widowed Parent Podcast. Thank you for being here today. It's always a pleasure to have you here. And I look forward to your being here next week. All right. Have a great week. Joyce Buford returns next week at the same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com.